the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Finelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Lots to get to here on a Wednesday. Transfer portal action is popping. We've got some quarterbacks that have destinations. We've got some high-profile quarterbacks that are expected to choose destinations. We've got a uh, former five-star that is intending to enter the portal, what it means for uh, one of the top programs in the country. Penn State's got a new defensive coordinator. Jerry Kill is hot. And we've got more takeaways from the first weekend of bowl action. Uh, But I wanted to begin with the uh, weekend commitment of Kyle McCord to Syracuse. Now, Kyle McCord, as a starting quarterback for Ohio State, was 11-1 and this past season. And if you believe in the quarterback wins metric, and if you believe in you know his blue-chip blue status, someone like that picking Syracuse is a little bit of an eye-opener. So, uh, Danny, is do you, do you look at this as a... Uh, obviously, I think for Syracuse, you take him, right? But what what's the analysis of, of this? Is this a Fran Brown impact, or is this Kyle McCord landing at a spot where he maybe has a chance to be a little bit more uh, successful? I think great quarterbacks are not sitting on every street corner, and I think if Kyle McCord was a great quarterback, he would have had multiple suitors that would have been better than Syracuse. But, like, I do think this is an upgrade for Syracuse, but I think it speaks volumes to the market for Kyle McCord. I mean, where was he before this? It was Nebraska, who's in desperate need of an upgrade. I think it would have been an upgrade for Nebraska, too. But you didn't see any visits planned to Florida State, Miami. Like, the teams that are whining and dining, Cam Ward, even DJ Uyungle, Dante Moore, like, they, you didn't really hear much buzz about that. And I just, we all watched it all season long. Anytime we talked about Ohio State, it just felt like the consistency was lacking and they left a lot on the field. So I'm sure teams were doing their scouting, watching the same games we were, been like, 
yeah, there's some there's some first year starter stuff going on, but there's also some we haven't seen much development or we haven't seen improvement, and we might have seen the best version of Kyle McCord with all that talent around him. So I don't know if we're going to back up the truck. And Syracuse is like, we'll do it. So I think I think it kind of it tells you a lot about Kyle McCord and the market for him. Yeah, but I don't think he stinks. No, I don't think he stinks either. But like, if you're willing to pay top dollar, two million bucks, whatever the number is, I don't think you're paying it for Kyle McCord. And I think those programs, those top tier programs, have allotted one and a half, two million bucks, and they're probably thinking, we're not paying that for him. See, I I tend to think like when it comes to McCord, he gets compared to the guys who were there before him at Ohio State a little too much instead of being compared to every other quarterback. Because I, I do think, like, arm strength and all that kind of stuff, he's a talented QB. He just wasn't C.J. Stroud. He wasn't Justin Fields. He wasn't Dwayne Haskins. I mean, it's – but he's still an above-average quarterback, t- to my eyes, at the Power 5 level. So I guess he wasn't as enticing to other programs who are chasing maybe guys with sexier profiles and names. But I would say of the guys in the portal, he's not any worse than – five or six of them. I think he's about the same as most of them. There might be a few guys who are better than he is. I think this is a really good get for Syracuse. Honestly, I think Fran Brown is doing some work in the portal and on recruiting and Syracuse is going to be a better football team. I don't think like McCord's going to be the best quarterback in the ACC. I don't think he's going to be a Heisman finalist, but I think he's a Jag plus. And you look at the portal every year, there really aren't that many Jag pluses available. It's mostly just Jags and a couple like like you're saying, Danny, a couple million dollar guys that you're going to throw a ton of money at. He's not that. I wouldn't throw millions at him, but if I want to really raise this, the floor of my offense, I think my, Kyle McCord is a really good guy to get. I kind of went both. Like This is definitely a good get for Syracuse, and Syracuse has a schedule this year upcoming that is pretty pretty favorable if you get good quarterback play. right? Ohio at Army, Holy Cross, UConn at BC, at Cal, at NC State, at Pitt, Georgia Tech, Miami, Stanford, and the Hokies. Like th- that, that's a schedule that if McCord hits for them, uh, can certainly be a return to bowl uh, comfortably type schedule. Like you, you, could, you could win, what, seven or eight games? Mm-hmm. But to Danny's point, I mean, there are a lot better programs who need a quarterback who had no interest in Kyle McCord. So my thought is, like, all the coaches have watched the film and they're like, eh. I mean, we, we just got done talking about how Syracuse is one of the probably bottom five or 10 jobs to take in the power five. I mean, you probably still have 15 programs out there that are still looking for quarterbacks and they didn't want the kid. So, I mean, there's some connections here with, with, with the geography and whatnot too. So I'm going to stay positive. It's good for Syracuse. Oh, then let's let's zoom out. See, I I do think there's some Fran Brown effect because what do we, have we seen? Because Kyle McCord is, is the headliner. Um, He was starting quarterback for Ohio state, but this past weekend, the official visit list was like, seven or eight deep with power five contributors that are entertaining going to Syracuse players that are at least entertaining on a visit in December to Syracuse players who played at Texas A&M players who played at Florida players who played at Georgia. Like that is um, I think the impact of the hire that you've made with Fran Brown, the connections that he's made from his own time recruiting at a place like Georgia. And so, you know, we'll see if he's going to be able to, um, you know, back that up, turn that into some of those commitments. But, you know, uh, what's it? Let's see. Fadil Diggs, Makai Muse, Zeed Haynes, 
Will Norman, James Hurd Jr. I mean, these are power five players. And so for a Syracuse program that at the end of the Dino Babers era saw just like an output of transfer portal action, it's there's a lot of roster work that needs to be done. I think if you're Syracuse, you're incredibly encouraged just by the the overall caliber that you're getting in terms of the portal players that are, again, willing to take a visit to Syracuse, New York in middle December to come think about being a part of this football program. You know, whether that's resources or recruiting prowess, uh, maybe a combination of both. Uh, I think McCord is the headliner, but the big story here is it does look like Fran Brown is doing some work to try to make sure that this Syracuse team uh, is not going to just drop to the very bottom of the conference and that he's going to be able to hit the ground running here in year one. Yeah. You know what, you know what concerns me a see. little, you know what concerns me a little bit? I mean, I, cause I, I mean, clearly it's going to be harder to succeed at Syracuse than it was at Ohio state, right? Mm-hmm. You have NFL talent all over. You got one of the best receivers in the country. Comacord's like not the most mobile quarterback. Like you better have a good offensive line. Like, oh, you know, because yeah. he's yeah, not going to run statue around. either. I mean, he was limited. He was injured. He had an ankle injury all year. I, he's, again, he's not like a dual threat, but he can move. It's not like he's just going to stand in the pocket like Joe Flacco or something, you know, and throw for 300 yards to beat the Bears. But, like, I just, again, like, you're, but you're talking about how there were, like, some teams that, you know, weren't really interested in him, and, you know, he falls down to Syracuse. A lot of those, a couple of those teams are going to finish with QBs worse than Kyle McCord. Because they're shooting for guys they're not going to get. Because it's like 10 schools are all going for the same four or five guys. And I think that's the one thing you got to give Syracuse credit here for is they got a guy who's going to be better than some of those better schools are going to get. I'm, I'm hesitant to say a guy totally sucks, right? Like, like it's easier to say this guy is really damn good, okay? Because like once you showcase the skill, you, you sort of own it. But we have seen guys improve a ton after transferring or just after maturing. So... Yeah, like I do think there is a lot of market signal that I mean, just think about the quarterbacks who have not or the, the teams that have not taken a quarterback yet, right? Duke, Washington State, Iowa, Pitt, which I think is a better program than Syracuse, Michigan, Auburn, BYU, LSU, Miami, Florida State, Ohio State, which obviously if you read the Columbus dispatch, it seems like they didn't want him back. Or at least did, did you guys read that report over the weekend? I thought mm-hmm. it was pretty good. Like basically mm-hmm. McCord wanted to be guaranteed the starting job wanted to start the bowl game, which Ryan Day wouldn't even, you know, like go with that. And then wanted more NIL money, according to this report. And they're like, more? Shoot, dude. Like, you you were one of the worst players on our offense. You know? So, but I, I do think Tom's point about the ankle is is really noteworthy, right? We don't know what, what if this guy could play better in his second full season of starting uh, with, with the ankle. You know, we'll, we'll see. Like, I, they, they may be really right going for this guy early and, and he pops for him and, and, it, and it helps out. Like it's, it's certainly a better uh, pedigree of prospect than, than Syracuse can normally afford to get. And to that point, like a Fran Brown and you know Elijah Robinson, the fact that those guys know dudes who they recruited, who weren't good enough to go to Georgia or A&M, but like there's still prospects they check in on because as sophomores, you don't know what the guy's going to look like as a senior. So you're constantly checking up on them, keeping them warm. Who knows? Like maybe they go to, to a, a lower division school, they, they really crush it, and you're like, oh, let's grab that kid out of the portal. That's why you stay recruiting these guys throughout the cycle. I think that's some of what you're seeing right now in Syracuse. The, like, Fran Brown and Elijah are, refer- are, are sort of, you know, utilizing those relationships to get guys on campus. 
I will say too that just not to keep whatever in this because I I've, this is from Ohio State fans. I've seen some reaction to where you know McCord was the problem. He was the reason we couldn't beat Michigan. You didn't beat Michigan with C.J. Stroud either. Like mm-hmm. it's he's an easy target for somebody to blame, but he wasn't the one who was banged up and missing games all year. He wasn't your offensive line. You know, it's there were a bunch of problems for Ohio State this year, and when I say a bunch, I put that in the context of the team finished eleven and one. Right, right, right. But it's like I think McCord is kind of being scapegoated here more than anything. I don't know. It just I think he's a lot better than he gets credit for. I don't think he's great, but I think he's a lot better than he gets credit for. Uh, to to put the um the threads of yarn all over the crazy conspiracy wall. I mean, shout out to Adi with this one. I hadn't even thought of this. So. Who was, as we know often, Kyle McCord's high school teammate? Marvin Harrison. Junior. Yeah. And his father played where? Syracuse. Syracuse. Ooh. Did Marvin Harrison orchestrate <laughs> Kyle McCord to Syracuse? Yes. People are wondering. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Adi might be onto something. He's, we'll he's clearly he's clearly the only connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Other uh, another notable one, a player that we've talked about a lot here, Daquan Finn. You know, was incredibly successful at Toledo, a huge part of that offense at times. The offense for Toledo. Uh, he commits to Baylor. We've got big staff changes all over this Baylor Bears program, but. Um, when you think about Finn, the skill set, and what Dave Aranda is trying to do going into a must-win year, what do you think about the Landon spot? I think it's a pretty good spot. Honestly, I think it's a pretty good fit for them. Like It would be interesting to see what they run on offense, but I, I thought Finn was a pretty damn good quarterback for that level. Like He was clearly the best QB in the MAC when healthy, uh, in, in my opinion, especially when you had to work out you know, or, or not healthy. So um, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do for Baylor. Like, this, is, this is a tough spot for Baylor. I think everybody knows Aranda's probably hot seated going into the season, but I mean, Fenn can, if he can stay healthy, that's a real key. Um, he can do some nice things for them. Yeah, I, I really liked Finn at Toledo. I'm excited that he's going to get like a shot in the Power Five because I do think he is somebody who's been playing in a conference like the MAC, which over the last few years has kind of dropped off compared to the rest of the G5s, even let alone the Power Five. But I, I felt like watching him. Anytime I saw him in a game, whether it was against another Power 5 team or against another MAC team, he was a player that belonged at the Power 5 level. So I'm interested in seeing what he could do for Baylor. I think he's a very good get for them. I think so, too. I think he's a dynamic player. You know what I'm going to start doing? I just realized it. We were talking about Kyle McCord. I'm going to give him all C pluses. Yeah! Same thing I do with the coaches. Like, looks good. Sure. And that's like, Tom, is it going to work out? I don't know. Um, you know, I, again, I thought Brennan Armstrong was going to crush it. You know, I thought Sam Hartman could win a Heisman at Notre Dame. You know, one, one was closer. I mean, Sam Hartman at least played a lot and had a pretty decent season. Brennan Armstrong clearly didn't reach what I thought. So C plus all around. Are you, DK, are you C plus for Will Rogers to Washington? Because my, we've look, and I, I, I do, I am not the player evaluator here on this podcast. But my dumb little eyes at least have noticed there's a difference in the deep ball skill between Michael Penix and Will Rogers. Is that fair, football knowers? Okay, so we're very we're moving to a very different quarterback <laughs> yes. when we look ahead to Washington in 2024. DK, are you going C plus for Will Rogers to the Huskies? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. But I do think, and this is one 
He's got one year left, right? He's a one year. Thinks he's got. He's already set I mean, SEC records. Exactly. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's won. Although when KJ Jefferson was out there in the portal looking for another squad, I'm like, I cannot keep track of how many he's got. Five, six, or seven years of eligibility. I do think, you know, is the version we saw. I mean, clearly, Mike Leach's system is one of the most quarterback friendly systems ever. You know, it's just there's a lot of trust. You make a lot of throws. And you're going to have guys running open, and you don't have to have an absolute cannon. Uh, Michael Penix is one of the better throwers of the deep ball that we've seen this year, and you know maybe in the last decade. I and mean, he's been spectacular. The accuracy is there, but I do think like a lot of these moves, at least you know like the floor of what's going to you know what the bottom out is, and there's some safety and stability as far as leadership goes. So, I mean, I kind of like it from them. But are you talking? What was that? Were you coughing with a cough button? I saw your lips moving. That was no. Weird. What uh, Maggie didn't realize I had uh, the show today because I was supposed to be going down to the freshman All American game. But <laughs> it really tripped me out because I saw your lips moving. <laughs> you were talking about Will Rogers. So sorry about that. But like, I think it's a solid. Like again, I like I legit think this is probably a C plus. You know, like you're gonna get a pretty good quarterback. First year Big Ten, like I think he's going to need a run game. I think he's going to need, you know, a good offensive line. And if you do that, you know, you'll be be pretty solid. You just got to trust Kalen. Like that, yeah. yeah. I, that is just the the whole game. I think for me is like you are just trusting somebody who's got a very sharp track record of being able to take quarterbacks and an offense and go figure out what's going to work. Yeah, I, I I'll trust that staff. I it is a weird. To me, my my first response was kind of what you were leading with there, Danny, or, or Chip, with the arm strength. I was like, that is that offense is going to look a lot different. Not necessarily that this can't work. It's just, it's like, huh, I wonder what they're going to look like next year because it's not going to be the same offense. Like what Will Rogers was doing at Mississippi State, he was very good in it in that Mike Leach air raid was a lot of short, quick passes, you know, good anticipation of the slants and all that kind of stuff, throwing into little windows, accurate. That's all important stuff to have. It's just compared to what Washington was doing this year, it's going to be very, very different. It's going to be interesting to watch. I also want to just completely throw out everything that I saw from that 2023 Mississippi State offense. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Like we, we all first guessed that. We're like, this is the disaster. You can't run this bully ball stuff if you're like the worst program in the SEC, not, not including Vanderbilt. So, you know, like, I'm sure Kalen DeBoer wins everywhere he goes, almost regardless of who's playing quarterback. So it seems like a very high floor pick to me, a guy who can execute the offense that he wants executed. And, and it's probably like disaster insurance for them as they enter the Big Ten, right? You lose so many guys at receiver, but they're, they're still going to score some points because it's Kalen. Yeah. That's it's awesome that we're here. I mean, this is this is what happens. You have a season like that. You go 13-0. and 0, We take a step back. We look at the whole body of work. We've mentioned Kalen DeBoer as being a really sharp coach, but then sometimes <clears throat> it, it takes being at the center of the national conversation like the Huskies have been for it to become a real headline in the sport. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not trying to test your voice too much, but can, can you at least hold our hand on the latest on DJU and Cam Ward? Because uh, we, we got Florida State and Miami in the mix. We got... Uh, I assume get paid. Those two, two schools are bidding against oh, each other. They oh yeah, let's. <laughs> that is just smart work by their agents or by their parents, whoever's doing it. It's like let's get FSU and Miami visits and see which <laughs> one does something stupid first. Okay, yeah. So what's what's the latest here? What are we expecting? These are the these are the big chips, right? This is this is the yeah. big ones that are left on the board. Uh, I, I think FSU likes both, and we'll have to see. Like literally, there. I don't know when an announcement's going to come or who it's going to be. I kind of wish. 
I did because it would make for a better show today. Um, I, I think Florida State's pretty confident they're going to get a, a good college quarterback out of this, whether it's Ward or DJ. I haven't heard Miami be involved with Ward. So I'm curious – or sorry. You mean uh, DJ. Sorry, DJ. With, with DJ, yeah, right. correct. Sorry. Have not heard Miami be involved with DJ. So if Ward does pick FSU, I'm kind of curious uh, what, what the next domino will be, right? Does that mean that DJ has interest in Miami all of a sudden or something, or Miami has interest in DJ, or uh, like KJ Jefferson hit the portal, right? Mm-hmm. Could that be a guy who they maybe potentially look look at in Coral Gables? So um, it, it'll be interesting to follow this. Is it true? I, I saw this. I don't know if I believe it or not. That Cam Ward wanted to see the stadium and Mario couldn't get him in or claimed he couldn't get him in. I kind of doubt that. I mean, I do like too. I, but yeah. then people had the conspiracy theory: like, do you really want to show him how far it is? Do you want to just use that as an excuse? You know. I mean, I, I think if you're Cam Ward, that's more like like something a high school kid cares about, right? You oh, know, if, yeah, yeah, that's fair. If you're Cam if Ward's you're like a business. first of all, that, that, that is if that's fake, that's that's elite trolling. But. Uh, <laughs> My thought here is probably like that's probably fake, and you know we'll we'll Rick see. Rick Ross and the yeah. Prime One Twelve wasn't fake. We saw that's real. That. Yeah, that place is legit too. Open up the guest room. Oh, oh, sorry, guest room's closed. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not taking we're not taking guests to that part of the house right now. Um, um, that's incredible. What all right? So how does? So USC, all right, Malachi Nelson enters the portal, or at least at least the reporting I saw is intends to enter the portal. USC now very much in the mix. Maybe Will Howard ends up there. You know, what what are the what are the other sort of portal headlines and dominoes that we're keeping our eyes on? I think Will Howard USC is certainly one that matters because Miami has also been involved with Will Howard. Um mm-hmm. Who else out there? Oh, what do you make of the Nelson side of this? We were talking about this in the college football newsroom this morning. My my hunch is Lincoln knows the stakes are too high for year one of the Big Ten to trust somebody who he might think is not ready yet. And because he wasn't willing to give over the starting job and maybe there's other things too. Like the scenario that you laid out with Ohio State, I could have seen something similar there between Nelson and USC. He's had Nelson since January. Lincoln Riley is going to know whether or not he's ready to lead the Trojans into the Big Ten in 2024. And if he's not ready, then choosing Will Howard over Nelson seems like another high floor play. All right. So stuff I had heard, like we, I think all of us knew that Gabriel was going to be bouncing from Oklahoma, right? Correct. Because they wanted to, they wanted to play Jackson Arnold next year. So it was like, hey, you need to go pro or transfer. There's also the aspect of like it's hard to pay multiple like legit quarterback NIL deals for multiple years. Um, I, it was very well known that USC was going to be in the transfer portal market for a quarterback once Caleb left. Does that mean that Malachi Nelson can't play? No. Am I going to read into it that Nelson is not ready, as Chip said? Yeah. That's basically my read on it. Like, long-term, still perfect. Still going to be a first-round draft pick. Yeah. yeah. Short-term, uh, yeah. I, I think how early we heard in the cycle that USC was going to be after a quarterback is probably – uh, signal worth believing on the readiness of Malachi Nelson, if that makes sense. He had shoulder surgery, right? Nelson? 
Did he win? Am I making that up? I swear to God, he had some sort of shoulder injury that he had to deal with, which I'm guessing kept him out. For he a was while. hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, that clearly kind of slows your progress as far as developing. And like you were saying earlier, Chip. If oh, that was going, back in January. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. So that kind of takes away all of spring, takes away most of the summer probably too. But like you were saying, it's they're going into the Big Ten. They're coming off a seven and five year. They're losing Caleb Williams. I think it makes plenty of sense where a kid who didn't really get as much time because of coming off a shoulder surgery, Lincoln doesn't really want to just bank on that. So it, I don't, it where he ends up will be interesting too because I don't know. Like if he's thinking he's just going to get a starting gig right away, I don't know if the schools he's going to be interested in going to are going to be as interested in handing in the starting job the same way USC wasn't interested in just handing it to him. So we'll see. I had heard, similar to what Bud heard, they were kind of down on him. Like, I don't know, it, Dante Moore or Malachi Nelson from a prospect perspective? Dante. Dante was higher? Yeah. yeah they, not, not for everybody. I, I just, I, I like Dante better. Right. Well, and it's so funny. It's like he's, uh, <clears throat> he was the fifth quarterback in his class, but he was a 99 prospect rating. He just was behind Nico, Jackson Arnold, um, maybe Dante too. I mean, it was... It was kind of a strong class, but that Arch Manning I, guy, remember him? Oh yeah, Arch, yeah, obviously. You know, I just I, I think that if there was if there was an it factor there, evaluate evaluators would have been banging the table for it, right? He still could obviously become what his projections are, but if we're thinking about being a QB one for the twenty twenty four season, <coughs> excuse me, I, I think I understand why uh, USC might want to move on. Speaking of USC, uh, Matt Zenitz uh, just reported that the expectation uh, is that Damani Jackson, the starting corner for USC, is going to hit the portal, um, which is interesting because Georgia lost Fran Brown, the defensive backs coach, to Syracuse and uh, now is taking uh, Dante Williams from USC to be their new DBs coach at UGA. So huh. maybe going to connect the dots there. I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy. That's weird. I don't know. Um, uh, on this cover three podcast, not this show, but you know, Bud said that he was buying a lot of stock in Ole Miss. He said, Ole Miss is out here spending. Ole Miss is, is ready to go. <sighs> Over the weekend, he's just plucking some of the best pass rushers in the SEC. He gets Florida's best pass rushers. Says, hey, why don't you, why don't you come on down? Uh, he continues by getting Tyler Barron, who was one of the, uh, top, uh, members of that uh, Tennessee defensive front that did a very good job. Is this, is, is this the portal King here to reclaim his throne, bud? Is that what we're seeing right here? I, I think you have to like what Ole Miss has done here. I mean, they, they've identified a, uh, a very easy schedule by their standards and they have a decent amount coming back. I think despite what some of the metrics say, they probably looked at their defense for like, Oh, actually this needs to be fixed a lot. And they've gone out and added some real difference makers there. You know, on defense. So I, yeah, if, if they can add a Walter Nolan to it, I mean, Princely is a nice player for them to get. Like he's a good edge rusher. I think Tyler Barron is a, a, a solid player. I don't know if he's, you know, amazing, right? Um, I'm always kind of like, all right, why didn't the previous school keep the kid? You know, I, I try to play amateur psychologist on this. And sometimes it's just, you know, budget per position, mm -hmm. right? Other times it's, eh, character, you know, fit. Stuff like that, right? Uh, do you get along with everybody, teammate? Or, like the room has to have a certain culture to it. So 
I mean, it's going to be a lot of personalities for A&M or for, for Ole Miss rather to balance. And I, I think that they probably will do a good job with it. And if they all hit and if they get Walter Nolan, then they're going to be a problem for some folks next year. They're going to be a hell of a nine and three or 10 and two team that loses a playoff game. <laughs> so cynical. Not cynical. That's that's exactly what it's going to be. They're going to make the playoff. They're not and going to win a national title. Yeah. Look, when you look at Ole Miss's football history in totality, if Lane just keeps rolling off nine and 10 win seasons yeah. year after year, they're going to put up a statue of that man. There will be a Joey Freshwater statue in the Grove. Get that Which man is, a red solo cup. In but Tom, you made the point, though. I think this is why the expansion is so great for a program like Ole Miss because now all their fans have hope of actually making the playoff. When before, yeah. it would be like, we have no chance of making the playoff. But they'll get tired of that soon. And then, <laughs> and then Lane will be on the hot seat because, well, he's got to the playoff five years in a row, but he hasn't won a game there yet. Is he any good? We need a better coach. Like, uh-huh. it's going to be, yeah, that's – this is your new future. Not saying bad or good. I'm just saying this is the future. I, this is what we're going to be talking about in years to come. You really think Ole Miss is going to get to a spot where yes. the expectation is to win playoff games? Every fan base does, bud. I mean, <laughs> like. Yeah, I guess that's why they, they listen to, to a, a college ball podcast in the offseason three times a week. <laughs> that's the, right. The, 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 the passion you know, fuels our business, clearly. I'm not saying they're going to stop caring about Ole Miss football. I'm saying they're going to get they're going to think Lane's not good enough if all he does at some point, and I'm putting that if all he does is get to the playoff every year. If he doesn't win playoff games, eventually they're going to say, We need to get somebody in here who can win playoff games. We're clearly <laughs> I think you're on to get there. I think you're under the assumption he stays if he gets to multiple playoff That's games. also true. But yeah. <laughs> Just expectations as they raise, people want them to keep Higher so, like in 2028, in 2028, Florida fires Jed Fish and hires Lane Kiffin after he, like, okay. <laughs> Whoa, my man just made a lot of jumps. I hope, I hope everybody's listening carefully. If, if you're going on 2X right now, you got to back up. You need to hear what Bud just said. That's that was, that, that was gaming this thing out way into the future. <laughs> All right. Coming up on the other side, obviously, Penn State. Lost defensive coordinator Manny Diaz to Duke, where Manny Diaz will be the next head coach. And the hire that James Franklin has made is a former head coach. We'll get into that. And our upon further review from the first bowl weekend. Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast and... 
after what was reported to be a wide-ranging and extensive search with multiple Power 5 defensive coordinators. James Franklin just hired the guy he's been playing for like the last eight years. Tom, what do we make of Tom Allen as the uh, as the new defensive coordinator for the Nittany Lions? I think it's a good hire. Tom Allen was a very good defensive coordinator for a long time at a lot of different schools. And I think that, I mean, if you look at what Indiana's defense had been the last couple of years with a talent level that was not commensurate with what Penn State has, Tom Allen had a big role in that. Now Tom Allen goes to Penn State where he's going to have a lot better players. And I think, I mean, where has he been D.C. before? I can't remember. But I, I, I think you could argue that this will be the most talented def- level of player and talent that he has had as a defensive coordinator in his career, considering what Penn State usually has. So I think it's a good hire. I think you lose Manny Diaz, who's a former head coach with plenty of experience, and you bring in another former head coach with plenty of experience to that staff and plenty of experience running good defenses. So it makes a ton of sense. Oh, and also he has familiarity with the league. It's It it checks all the boxes of what you're kind of looking for. Agreed. I think it's, good. I think it's a good hire. Uh, I, you know, I think players liked playing for him. I think it's just a really tough spot to win. I thought you saw great effort from his defenses. Um you know, I mean, I go back to the first game of this year when Ohio State was struggling against him. I know they had some games that got sideways a little bit and it got away from him, but I'm excited to see what he can do with the type of talent he's going to have at Penn State. Like, I wouldn't expect much drop off. But what's same? I pretty, pretty much agree. I mean, I, I think Tom Allen is seen as, as a good football coach. Um, I think his record in Indiana has everything to do with what you can do at Indiana within a reason. And uh, maybe you can be a win or two better. A season there, kind of doubt it, uh, but maybe w- once they get out of the East, sure. I think he's a good defensive football coach. I mean, he did a nice job at USF. I think he did a nice job at Ole Miss. Uh, I think he knows what he's doing. And you know, Penn State recruits the state of Florida pretty hard, and Tom Allen has a lot of connections down here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that also helps with their staff continuity. You got him. You got Juwan Sider. You got a lot of guys that that know uh, and are respected by the high school coaches in the state of Florida. I, I think it's it's a nice move for the recruiting side for the Nittany Lions as well. You know what I think is going to be fascinating is all of these defenses, which have been, you know, some of the top defenses of the country have come from the Big Ten. It's going to get a lot more interesting when they have some teams with some good offenses and good quarterbacks coming into the league. I think you it's know? going to be interesting to see how those offenses do once they have to face teams with defenses. Exactly. I think it'll be fun. I think the SEC used to say that too when they used to run just eye-back formation, just running into a wall and be like, yeah, we love that 9-6. Look at all that defense. Well, all of a sudden, you brought in some good offenses. Those defense didn't look so good. And, and, and like, Gary Pickle came in, and they are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Georgia's defense is still pretty good, and Alabama's defense is still pretty good. They are. Yeah. yeah. I, I had forgotten about the recruiting side of this. Um, at Ole Miss, he obviously had you know fairly talented uh, teams, and I feel like the way that that Rebels team um, – that, that sort of helped be able to – because he was not the defensive coordinator on that staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was linebacker's coach, special teams coordinator. He ends up slowly getting the the elevation from there onto Indiana and then being able to take over as, as the next head coach there. Lay of the land should be great. Recruiting should be great. And, uh, and look, when you're talking about your salary pool, you know who's not really starving – the man who just negotiated two $7.5 million lump sum payments with Indiana's boosters. You know, that's, 
That's somebody who might be willing to take a, 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 fr a friendly a friendly check or a friendly salary to be able to uh, to make the numbers work if that's something that needs to happen. Again, Penn State with its Manny Diaz replacement with Tom Allen. All right. Every single Monday, especially when we've had action from over the weekend, we like to go under the hood in a little segment that we like to call a pun further review. There were terrible calls. Do we want to go ahead and jump in? After further review. After further review. After further review. MVP, Kanata Edwards, right there. Thank you. We've got, uh, we, we've got not, and by the way, if you, uh, if you listen to the Ion College Basketball Podcast or watch them on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. Check out our friends right there. Then you are very aware of, uh, of Nada's prowess. He's joining us today. We thank him uh, for stepping in for Jordan. He had that one ready to go. I appreciate it. Okay. Now we got to talk about it. All right. The full. Do we, should we start with the full story just to be able to like lay the land? Because it took me a it's little confusing. bit. Confusing. It's, it's very confusing. confusing. Yeah. So. Prior to the New Mexico, New Mexico State rivalry game. <laughs> gotta go. You gotta go. It was, or right at it, I guess right after or right around the same time, a video was released that showed Albuquerque native Diego Pavia um, relieving himself at midfield on the logo at the New Mexico practice facility believe the proper word is urinating because there are other ways to relieve yourselves and we don't want to mislead <laughs> anybody you know what, who isn't Tom, familiar with the story. Right. <laughs> Everyone needs a good editor. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we check each other. So um, after the video was re released, you know, nobody, Jerry Kill said he had no idea that it had happened. And after the video is released, uh, he says that he, he handled the punishment internally. Then in the post-game press conference, he calls out the New Mexico athletic director for his, quote, chicken shit behavior, wants him to be punished by the state for not allowing New Mexico State access to the New Mexico indoor facility for the preparation for the bowl game. The New Mexico athletic director released a statement saying that um, the, it was, quote, offensive and I believe, quote, misguided. And that he had, he claims that, you know, he's a full cooperation with the New Mexico Bowl, which includes yada, yada, yada. We are as hospitable as we need to be. Woof, Danny. And by the way, New Mexico State lost. Like, yeah, they got it handed to him. Wasn't got, he close? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was already salty about that. Um, he said he had, I mean, he alluded to, Pavia having to clean clean toilets with a toothbrush. Yeah, I mean, that's community service. You would hope, like, but then I like, picture this in a Auburn, Alabama situation, or Ohio State, Michigan, or Florida State, Miami. And clearly, this rivalry doesn't get as much, but I would expect probably the same type of pettiness to be on display mm -hmm. from them. So I guess give me all I can get of this one. <laughs> like, I don't think anything's gonna happen of it. I mean, I wish the adults in the room would have taken the higher road and been like, hey, 
Our season didn't go as well. New Mexico State they had an incredible season. Sure, full access to our facilities. But I'm not surprised at all that this was unfolded. And like kids got a vi- they got a video everything. Talk video. <laughs> See, yes. Yeah. Screw them. I mean, what is with this generation like taping all their crimes? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I did a lot of shit when I was that age, too. Nobody was recording it and putting it on social media. <laughs> there you go. Get the flip phone. Uh, this burner phone actually does have a uh, a camera on it, but back what? in my day, we did not have cameras on our phones. No. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> um. Also, uh, I liked Jerry Kill saying, "You y'all can do whatever to me. I'll go drink margaritas in Mexico." <laughs> and I believe him. I, I believe him. He's classy. He's yeah, classy. Exactly. I would love to hang out with Jerry Kill and grab some margaritas in Mexico if he wants company. <laughs> he was he was hot. And look, it he must have and I, I don't think that Jerry Kill, I don't know if he actually was scrubbing toilets with the toothbrush. But I would believe some like I believe old, Jerry Kill would do that. Yes. I yeah. <laughs> I would believe some very old school punishment. Like, you know, uh, I, as a as a child, I had to write the the sentence, I will always tell the truth, I will never tell a lie like ten thousand times. Yeah. Because of lying to my you know, like it's just like a very old school kind of punishment. I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that would have been handled internally because he was so mad that this was supposedly the punishment for uh, for for what had happened earlier. It was a uh, was something else, man. You got caught, huh? Huh? Yeah. That was your first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Chip was out here recording himself telling lies so his parents could put put him up against him. In '94, how was I doing that? <laughs> the VHSC? <laughs> yes, that's right. Walking around with a camcorder, like I'm gonna lie to mom right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, any, any thought, uh, so before we get there, I, I had some other sort of just general, uh, takeaways, highlights, low lights or whatever, but I mean, New Mexico state credit to Fresno state, you know, Tim Skipper getting this group ready to go. Mikey Keene had a terrific performance against a New Mexico state defense that had been really good. I thought Fresno state's defense was tenacious, man. They had their ears pinned back. They were getting after them. They, they were not going to let. Uh, New Mexico State's offense get comfortable at any time during this game. Bulldogs poured it on late. It was like all the frustrations of the three-game losing streak to close the season really worked out here uh, in the game. So I understand why Jerry Kill was maybe a little bit tight. So in, any other uh, Fresno State, New Mexico State thoughts? They showed up. Yeah. Like that That was a question we had when previewing this game. Would Fresno care? Because their, their season really went, went bust. Their coach wasn't there. And... Uh, Credit to them for showing up. That, that was kind of my main takeaway. Like they look like they wanted to be there. Also, we've talked a lot about this New Mexico State staff. We think New Mexico State has a good staff, and now they're all getting hired away. Like mm-hmm. the day after the bowl game, all of a sudden we're starting to say New Mexico State hired away. New Mexico State hired away. I couldn't help but think of Jerry Kill somewhere in the back of his mind is like really frustrated. Oh man, losing all my good coaches. Those are the things if you don't know ahead of time either, because I could see the coaches checking out, going through the motions. I'm taking a new gig, you know, from Las Crucis all the way to a power five job. Right. I mean, you're not fully invested and your players can feed off that. Um, 
Any, any, all right. So I've, I've got well, a, their, their OC is going to Vandy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, his name is Tim Beck. It's not Tim Beck. Yeah. Right. I know. But like, <laughs> but his name is Tim Beck. Different. If you're an offensive coordinator and your name is Tim Beck, that's somewhat unfortunate. I think there's like a, there's like a, a reaction that a fan is going to have when they hear that Tim Beck is coming to be their OC. It's like, huh? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, I kind of love that hire for Vandy, by the way. Yeah. Just the, the way in which New Mexico State operates with lesser personnel than everybody else, and they find ways to scheme guys open. There's something very like Coastal or Kansas about it. And I, mean, I just think increasingly at Vandy, you, you have to run something different. I'm not saying run the triple, but like I think you have to run something that is a difficult three-day prep for everybody, you know? Coming up on the other side, more of our Upon Further Review from the first big old day of bowl games, including notes on Rich Rod, Gronk, and more next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, what else? Uh, I've got a couple more notes. What other takeaways or highlights from the bowl games? Danny? I got one. Rich Rod. He's a really yeah, good coach. Yeah. Does he? My upon further review was back-to-back really impressive season at Jacksonville State. If he has a third one, he's 60 years old. Does he get one more shot or is he just... Is he here? Is he here till he wants to retire or another lower tier job? I think he goes P five if he gets the opportunity to for yeah. sure. But do you think he gets the opportunity? I guess would be my question then. Yeah, I mean, if if you're doing that at Jacksonville State, because like he was, it wasn't the results on the field that got him at Arizona. It was off right. the field stuff. So like, yeah. if he's winning, somebody he's not going to get like a playoff contender gig but he can get a power five gig and just that could be you know his quote-unquote retirement gig you know he can get a job similar to the job he had at arizona as far as its level within a power five conference so i think so but that game was hilarious like mississippi state was the one i thought it could get uh, this year like in in terms of of a power five thing yeah that's about yeah that'd be a perfect kind of level for him but the way he left the way he, he left the mountaineers he can't go back there right I don't know. How bad do they hate Neil Brown? <laughs> well, I, I, right. How bad do they want to get rid of that? Because then you could be like, well, I don't know. Which one do I want to do more? So, yeah, maybe. I doubt it, but you never know. Back to Tulane, if uh, if, if Summerall kills it there in like two years. That makes sense because he was the OC there for people who aren't familiar. Um, yeah, this deep cut, deep cut. Hold on mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, but that going back to that game, just if you didn't watch it, 
Jacksonville State won in overtime. Had to use two different quarterbacks because Zion Webb gets banged up. Logan Smothers comes in. Logan Smothers gets banged up. Zion Webb has to come back in. But Louisiana scored three defensive touchdowns and lost. (laughs) They scored three defensive touchdowns, injured the starting QB, and lost. (laughs) And didn't cover. Yeah, it did not cover as a two underdog in overtime. If you had under (laughs) in this game, this is like one of the most tilting unders you will ever see. Like, guarantee you. What did Um, it close at? Probably 57 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And finished at 51, right? No. No. 65. 65. 65. Yeah. 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 Three defensive scores uh, is, is not a great recipe, history shows, to hitting an under. I hit Jack State three times live. <laughs> like really? I had, a, I had, a, well, I had a minus two and a half to start the game. It was my Twitter tip, and then after the Louisiana first fumble, like recovery for a touchdown, it's like, all right, I hit him again. And then there was a couple more drives where Louisiana just wasn't doing anything on offense, so I hit Jacksonville State again. Yeah, it was, it was a good day. Shout out Garrison Ripa. No relation to Kelly Ripa? I don't think. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe actually. it's her son. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, channeling his inner Bruce Lee before the kick. I mean, you see the breathing exercise? <laughs> yes. And he was, hey, whatever works. And he went out there. He nailed it. Said he was picturing it going through. Yeah, the sideline reporter's like, hey, he's been on the sideline just giving himself positive affirmations. You just love to see it. <laughs> I was like, keep that in the locker room, bro. <laughs> Kickers. That's why you're not football players. You're wait, over here wait. doing yoga on the wait, dance no, no, no. If J.J. McCarthy gets to do his little meditation and we spotlight that, that we're going to spotlight our kicker. You know? That is true. Mental health awareness <laughs> year. There we go. Um, hey, so, Bud, your neck of the woods was uh, didn't look so pretty on Saturday. No, uh, we, we got a lot of rain here, guys. Uh, uh, a whole lot of the range uh, driving range was closed yesterday morning due, due to all the rain. Like, man, God, can't even can't hit full shots. Uh, took took the boys out there to see if they could hit some some shots, and luckily they don't hit it far enough at forward two to. Uh, <laughs> like we, we we can still hit full shots by by the chipping area uh, for the most part, but uh, as long as nobody's standing around, I mean that was just a credit to like the sideline reporter. Um, whatever whatever button, her name right? was, yeah, yeah like for for standing out in that that was that was kind of amazing. I, one of the least watchable bowl games ever, but also kind of fun in like every play could be a ridiculous turnover. You're playing this in a soccer stadium, uh, third string quarterback. Yeah, it was 12 it fumbles. Was there were 12 fumbles. Was there 12? Yeah, okay. 12 yeah. fumbles. I think six of them were lost. Yeah. So 50, I was 50. like, fumble luck, huh? <laughs> it's not really worth live betting this, I don't think. After, after they caught up to the under idea, right? And then I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go do better things with my life than watch the end of this. Uh, so I, I didn't, I did not finish watching it. I, I, I was like, this is, this is a sickness. I was wire to wire, baby. Let's go. This was my game. <laughs> it was so bad down here in Florida, man. Like the whole state was covered for like five I, days. Look, it was crazy. It, it made its way up. We had it yesterday. Like just yeah. from the moment we woke up to the moment we went to bed, it was dumping. Um, Aguilar still threw the ball like 37 times in this game. <laughs> Brian Kelly approved. Yeah, Brian Kelly game plan. But like he was still delivering it on time. I mean, honestly, it was just the slipper. Like there were a bunch of uh, a bunch of passes that were delivered right there. It's just because of the conditions, they couldn't quite get a hold of them. You know, App State just 
being able to to continually survive and didn't really allow anything. I mean, not that Miami is going to be a super imposing offense, but I uh, I thought I thought it was a, it was a good showing from the Mountaineers in some difficult conditions all the way through. Good point from John Schultz in the comments. He says next year that weather could have been the first round of a playoff game. Oh man! Which means at some point it's going to be like Florida State's going to host a first round game. It's going to pour, and then everybody's going to demand all playoff games be played indoors at neutral sites. <laughs> we don't we almost always have one NFL playoff game where the outcome is yes. almost entirely yes yeah and it's awesome <laughs> yeah it's, it's just football. we're playing this game exactly. outside it's just yeah. the way it is um I did not because I was dialed into the Cure Bowl dialed into the New Mexico Bowl live blogging Kentucky North Carolina for the CBS Sports Classic for CBSSports.com I did not get to see Gronk any Gronk takeaways yeah. Oh, I didn't like so it. Deflated. I yeah. thought it was borderline disrespectful. You know, like it's the anthem. Like uh, if you yeah, like, I like Big Cat does it, and I think he's actually not a bad singer. Like and he does it solo. Don't and tell him can, that. He, I know, right? Don't give him. The, but like, it's it's not bad. Gronk was bad, and he was with other people who were actually doing a pretty good job. But you could hear his voice over it. I just didn't love it. Did he keep doing like other stuff during the game? I didn't see all that. I just saw the. <laughs> I, I, I just saw just tracking this on the side that uh, Chip Kelly decided at halftime he would like to be UCLA's coach moving forward. <laughs> right? right? You know, that, that's kind of what I saw was. Uh, well, they they put Kelly. Garbers in. Yeah, and he played well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, I, I thought he was too hurt to play, and then he ended up uh, playing the second half. And played the football. Well. Like, honestly, putting Garbers in changed the game because it was kind of yeah. close. Like, UCLA wasn't doing a whole lot with Schley. Then they put in Garbers, and UCLA just took the game over. I mean, Garbers is clearly superior to Schley. So, my mm -hmm. thought is, like, Garbers had to be pretty banged up. And then I wonder if Garbers at halftime was like, hey, actually, I'm going to give this a go. I had it as a forearm injury. So, that has to be something where he was like, oh, well, I know my forearm is hurt, but it's going to be better than what we've got right now. Well, if you have a forearm injury that also, like, you think about like, grip strength, mm -hmm. right? Right. I wonder if that has something to do with it. I, who knows? Shout out to uh, Chip Kelly, giving us a glimpse at the future of college football. I mean, his comments went almost more viral than anything that happened on the field over the entire bowl slate. Was that, that was post game from yeah. this game, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and everybody loved it. Um, I did too. It does feel like we're going to get to that one, but I think it's crazy how quickly we've gone in just the span of three years, two coaches despising playing the players, two multiple coaches now advocating, we got to give them a piece of the revenue. Like yeah. it has just completely flipped college football up in its head, but they're tired of trying to manage rosters and getting hijacked every single portal season for players looking for more money. Like they want stability, right? I mean, that's, 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 the that's why they that's were, why. that's why they were always against them being paid. And now that exactly. they have to pay and they're like, well, I don't want to do this crap anymore. Can we just get all these stupid rules in place to do it? Yeah, no, it's right. Yeah. Which I think will be good for everybody. His proposal. And the thing that I loved is he kept saying like, not that I've thought about this a lot, yeah. not that I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> he already got like his notebook of notes. <laughs> He's Thank like, you for answering this staged question. You're asking this staged question because yeah. I have not thought about this a lot and I have some ideas. 
Because he did he have it as sixty four teams with four sixteen team conferences, and then you play. No, he's yeah. It was something like he just said sixty four <laughs> P five sixty four group of five separate them. You play one from the group of five every year, and then he did reference like regional. He goes so we'll he's go going to NFL east. where like you like play divisions. like another division. Yeah. Yes. And he said, we'll go east one year. We'll play seven games against the east. We'll go south the next year, play seven teams from the south. And we'll play Boise State or somebody from the, you know. Minor league NFL. B5, yeah. But I thought the most revealing thing was when he said, we need to give the players a piece of the revenue. Like, we need the revenue Mm -hmm. share. Like, I think some coach has been like, we just need to get regulation on the NIL. And he was, you know, but more and more coaches are speaking that. Or he does know that he's going to get fired after January one, and now he's just fighting, you know, just letting it off right now. He was, he's just going to go ahead and uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I I did see at sixteen to seven at halftime. I was like, uh oh, but you know, Bruins turned it on. Uh, good for them to to finish the year with a win. Uh, other results: Texas Tech thirty four, Cal fourteen, and uh, you got. Ohio <laughs> absolutely pasting Georgia Southern. Um, Is Ohio a wagon again? People are asking. People are asking. Goodness we, gracious. We need to do an episode of like the, and, and I'm not putting Georgia Southern in this category because I don't know that. Uh, but the way they showed up, it looked like uh, looked like they had enjoyed Myrtle. And Tom and I talked about this on, on a show a couple weeks ago. Like you got to balance the stakes of the bowl with the uh, attractions at the bowl site, right? To, to, to judge some of these teams. And it looked like Ohio wanted to be there a little bit more than Georgia Southern did. And maybe they're a little more uh, clear headed. 11 a.m. With, with that 11 a.m. kickoff. That's, that's a tough, that's a tough look right there. But you know like what? I tweeted about it. I was like, what, what do we think Georgia Southern's bar tab was last night? <laughs> I had a lot of beat writers reach out to me with good stories from prior years about stuff they had seen. Like, oh, yeah, this is a New Year's Six Bowl. And this kid had to be dragged out of the casino. He's playing blackjack, the starting quarterback uh, at like 6 a.m. to go. Like, he was still. Up playing and wasted and blah blah blah. So uh I don't know if people will talk about this, but this could be an epic episode we should do one year. Another, th- another thing to consider when it comes to like handicapping bowl games, like we look at Ohio and it's like they didn't have Curtis work, they didn't have a whole bunch of people, they were down to third and four stringers. What if you can re- more reliably count on third and four stringers to play hard because they're finally getting a chance to play? Totally. Like, so if you look at that situation, it's like Ohio came out, like you're saying, they were like, hell yeah, let's play some football. We haven't done this all year. I've been going through practice, tossing balls, picking up equipment, never getting a chance to play. Now I get to play in a game and Georgia Southern, like it just was like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's, we've already lost six in a row to finish the season anyway. I love to imagine that because by the way, the morning of the game on Saturday morning, Clay Helton, Obviously, he'd gone for a run or a walk, or like he just wanted to see the ocean. He shared on social media like sunrise over the ocean at the beach, and he was like, "Great day for a bowl game, you know, blah blah blah." Kicking off bowl season at Myrtle Beach, I'd love to think that at that same moment, about twelve of his juniors and seniors were stumbling back into their hotel room. At the port. <laughs> yeah, no, we, I, I think. Maybe, maybe we do it as like fic- the name almost uh, the uh, out of respect to the survivors. The names are that, you know, like we'll, we'll change the names and maybe come up with fictitious uh, universities. Because the one thing that I have heard is 
when the coach puts the seniors in charge of bed checks at the bowl trip, the attitudes of the seniors could determine whether or not this becomes uh, a serious curfew or not. So so there's like Georgia Southern might not have had that. There's like two Fiesta Bowls, definitely multiple sugar bowls that people DM'd about. Um, a couple Sun Bowls, which I think in college media are really well known. Um, and a few others as well. So, yeah, if you guys are uh, are out there and you have good story ideas, what, this is show planning. We can cancel the 2 o'clock meeting, I think. Just <laughs> done. Um, but this is something we need to work on in the offseason to be able to run like the all-time uh you know, distractions, bowl, no shows, basically. Danny, you guys never had one, right? Like at Florida State, like you guys. No, Janikowski was bowls, after right? me. Janikowski was the famous one where he was late for curfew and Coach Bowden, they were like, aren't you going to suspend him? And he's That's like. That's an all Bowden line. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And Coach Bowden's like, no, he's Polish. He's like, he oh. can handle his liquor. You know, he's like, why would I suspend him? That's just what they do in Poland. I mean, it was it was one of the all-time greats. If he said what he said, because it was, yeah, exactly. And he was like, something about, like, I have my my standards for my for my 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 guys from the states, and then I got my international standards, and like yeah. something like time zones, and just basically like yes. I'm going to ramble here for a minute, and just in a very folksy manner, and uh, and then not suspend our all American kickers and go in the first round because this but, guy, if you know anything about him around Tallahassee, like he's going to be totally fine kicking in this state. And uh, we're just going to keep everything normal. But Coach Bowden was very um, liberal with his curfews early in the week. And I remember talking to the other teams. We'd see them at some event and be like, hey, you know, did you guys go to this club or this bar or whatever? And they'd be like, what? We have, we've had curfew every night at 11. And we'd be like, oh, because his early in the week, like you'd go there five days early. First mm-hmm. two nights, it was like 2 a.m. It was late. Like it College was, kids, and- you're going to recover just fine. Exactly. That's the way he fought it too. Now we got after it probably those mornings to make sure we sweat it out. And then he would dial it back in. Cause he's like, you guys worked hard all year and you need to let off some steam. He's like, let's just make sure we dial it in before the night. And usually it was enough to get guys, you know, the temptation of going out was already taken care of. So you focus in on the game where I think other guys were probably more people are in town. They're more willing to sneak out the night before the game. Say, Hey, I want to make sure I meet up with some friends when we had already done it. So his philosophy um, worked pretty well. We're we're gonna get out of here, but uh, quick instant reaction. Uh, are you still Troy Boy? Are you still Troy Boy if Gerard Parker is their next head coach? TBD. Uh, that's a hard TBD uh, there. Okay. For me, is that official? I do. I do not think it's official. I'm just seeing uh, a, a Pete Thamel report right okay, now. Well, then it's official enough. I could I could send the tweet. So, oh yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. If it will work out, I uh, will have we'll have uh, more detailed uh, reaction to that. Any other moves from the coaching carousel? Um, you know, when we do get back together, which for planning purposes, Wednesday's show will not be at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Wednesday's show will be at 11, not 11, excuse me. Wednesday show will be at <laughs> 6 p.m. Eastern time. 6 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Why, Chip? Well, because it's National Signing Day. So the Cover 3 podcast come to you live 6 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Uh, the biggest stories, uh, recapping Flip Watch. Um, are you taking your spatula to Nashville with you? Can you take a spatula on an airplane? <laughs> That's a good I mean, this is pretty, not uh, that big old one he's got. Yeah, not, not the one that goes, probably shing. not. Or a plastic uh, one. 
Yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be able to recap you on all the biggest uh, headlines, winners, losers, commitments to know, and so much more. Again, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time for our National Signing Day Instant Reaction Show. Then Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, Bowl Nanza Part 2. Uh, we'll be getting you up to date on the next crop of bowl games. And check out the famous Toastery Bowl. Take the under, Jerry Richardson Stadium. And you can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. Follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.